Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Isaiah chapter 35, and we'll read for our text verse 8. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 8. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Isaiah 35 verse 8, and as I desire to continue with the series, The Way, and last Thursday we spoke of our Lord Christ, the Way, Jesus the Way, and this evening in our text here, The Way of Holiness, The Way of Holiness. I want to say right at the outset, and especially to those who feel their sinnership and would tremble at the subject tonight, feeling most unholy, unclean, and to have to face such a way, the way of holiness, with some fearing. Well, this chapter, and I want to draw your attention to this right at the start, is a chapter designed by God to strengthen and encourage and not discourage. And may we be clear on that. You think of verse 3, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them, that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. This is not designed to dishearten, to tread underfoot, to discourage, but rather completely the other way. It is for a people that are to be redeemed, as verse 9, and the ransomed, as verse 10. It is those that were blind, whose eyes are opened, and ears are opened, and they see their true state and condition, and then they hear the gospel, he which hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So, May we right at the start think of though the way here is the way of holiness, yet it is set for sinners and this whole passage is for the encouragement of sinners that are fearful and are to be made strong. So there is that, there is that in this passage that is on the other side. And you see that at the end of verse 2. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. On one side we see and feel our sinnership, we feel our unholiness. 
On the other side, we see the glory of the Lord and excellency of our God and what the Lord has done for sinners. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So I want to look with the Lord's help this evening. Three points. Firstly, some observations of the way, just general ones. And then secondly, why it is called the way of holiness. And then thirdly, those that shall walk there. All these things are treated to in this passage. Of course, we look at the whole word of God when we come to the word. But firstly, some observations of the way. Our text says that there shall be a way and a way. And then our text, the way. Last Thursday, we read of our Lord, I am the way. Our text does not speak of many different ways but one way, and that way then can only be Christ. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And to him that declares that he is the way, when we look at our text and we look at this highway, we know that this is pointing to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. May we know that there is none other way. But secondly, we would notice that it is a clearly marked way. In fact, it is defined here as an highway and Here, this highway is not just a little byway, a small way, but a major way. Over here in the UK, we refer to our major roads as motorways, but over in Australia, it's freeways or highways. And it is clearly designed as a major well-made, well-defined route. And we would be thankful to Almighty God that this is exactly what the way of salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ set forth in the Word of God. May we clearly know that it is a way that is marked out It's not to be confined to those who say, well, we have a theological degree or try to have men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But it is a way that even as uh, some of the reformers and translators, Wycliffe, desire that even the ploughboy might be able to read, might be able to understand the word of God. So we would, when we 
read through the word of God, expect that this way, described as a highway, will be clearly seen and clearly defined, the way of holiness. The other thing I notice under this first head is where it goes from and where it goes to. We wouldn't think of any kind of a road in, in our country, especially a highway, that uh, had no origin and no end. The whole aim of it is that there be a beginning, a continuing, and then there be a destination at the end of it. And so we would think of the design of this way and this highway and we think of our first parents by nature, uh, how the, the fall separated from God. It alienated us and them from Almighty God. We banished from the garden, banished from communion and fellowship with God. We are in a world that is a fallen world and we're fallen creatures, lost and ruined in the fall and by nature we are dead, dead in trespasses and sins and that we have, as Bunyan puts it, a dwelling in the city of destruction. This, our present abode is corrupt, it is polluted, it is under the sentence of death and destruction. And that way, and Bunyan clearly sets forth that narrow way, that way that led from the city of destruction to the celestial city. And so the aim, the end, is that way that ends up with God. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And it is the design then of the word of God to think of this. Where does this way lead from and where does it lead to? It leads from a corrupt, fallen world, from banishment, and it leads to a perfect, holy, pure world where God is and where there is no sin. It leads from that which shall be destroyed to that which shall never be destroyed. It leads from uh, that which shall all perish to that which is eternal. And so may we keep that in mind when we think of a highway and a way. This theme often is taken up. Paul in Hebrews 12, let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. The children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they started out on a way and the end in view was that they would be brought to the promised land to Canaan as a type of that heavenly Canaan. And so may we be mindful then wherefrom 
and where to. But then fourthly, it is a way that goes through something. Now, when we travel in this country, uh, we travel through many different scenes, sometimes built up, industrial, sometimes countryside, sometimes hilly, sometimes flat. And we're mindful as we go on a journey as to what kind of country that we're going through. Well, what is set before us here is that this is a way and it goes through the wilderness. And what a type again it is with the children of Israel passing from Egypt to Canaan. It was through the wilderness. Of itself, there is nothing there. The chapter begins, the wilderness and solitary place. That is what it is. But as they pass through, as they pass through in this highway, then it is proved to be to them, even in that desert, even here, this side of the grave, even while walking in this way, then this desert, it rejoices, it blossoms as the uh, rose, and there's joy, there's singing in it, and there's, there's blessings in it. Verse 6, The tongue of the dumb shall sing, and it, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And we think of what Paul said of the children of Israel, that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, and it was a smitten rock. The rock was smitten, the waters gushed out, and they drank of it. They had manna from heaven, and our Lord said that he is the true manna from heaven, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And so it's passing through a wilderness and God's people, they feel this world to be a wilderness. They feel it to have nothing to satisfy their souls, nothing to supply the needs of a living soul, everything to supply the need or supposed need of fallen nature all that the flesh loves, all that is unholy and ungodly, yes, uh, that is supplied, that need is supplied. We would think of uh, how sin first entered into the world and Satan tempted our uh, first parents with the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil and... uh, when the woman saw then under that temptation, because Satan has said, God doth know in that day, ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And we read, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to, make, to be desired to make one wise, She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And then their eyes were open. There's an exact mirror for that when we come to the uh, New Testament and we we then have in the uh, epistles of John, uh, if I can 
uh, finding uh, where we have uh, the um, answer it's in the first epistle of, of, of John and it, 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 it speaks of the, the same the same three things that are, are spoken of in, in, in the fall. For all, it is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, and the previous verse, it reads, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, and realise that this is the highways going through this wilderness world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here is these three things again, the lust of the flesh, he saw that it was good for food. The lust of the eyes, the thing to be desired. The pride of life, uh, to make one wise, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. And so with the way it goes through this world, this fallen world, through this wilderness, and it is felt so by the people of God, here in this highway there is food for them, there is sustenance for them, there's safety for them. Outside of it, there is just a wilderness. So I want to look then, secondly, at why it is called the way of holiness. Our text says, that it is called, it shall be called the way of holiness. Why? Why is it so? Well, firstly, Christ as the way is holy. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. God is holy. Christ is God. And we are exhorted, be ye holy, for I am holy. That which originates from God and which leads to God must be as he is. It is vital that that is so. So as Christ is the way, so it must be a holy way. The second thing is, that he died to redeem us from all ungodliness. This is set forth very clearly by Paul when he writes to Titus and gives the definition of what it was that we were called to. He says in chapter 2 in Titus, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, 
we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. In our text and the words that flow forth from it, it speaks of those that are redeemed walking there and the ransomed. And Paul says to Titus, why the Lord redeemed us, why he shed his precious blood on Calvary's tree, why he ransomed us from the grave, Paul says, ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. When the Lord redeems his people, he redeems them from sin, from iniquity. He sets them free, delivers them from uh, sin and evil and uncleanness and unholiness. That is why it's termed a holy way because it is the way that the Lord has redeemed us to walk in. The third way is that it is the way of the new birth. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he died, paid the price, the debt, so people are to be set free. And the setting free of them in their own experience is through the new birth. And the author of that is the Holy Spirit. It is a holy birth. It's not just a rectifying of the old nature. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It is a new creature in Christ. It is a holy creation. A godly seed. A seed from above. God forbid that anything that proceeds from the Holy Spirit of God should be anything but holy. And therefore it is spoken of as the way of holiness because it is the way of the Holy Spirit. The Church of God needs the Holy Spirit, the power of God all the time. And the word was preached to the Thessalonians the word came to them, not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit. That's what was so vital, the Spirit and power. Well, then we have in the fourth thing, is it is the way of the Holy Scriptures. So often we might just refer to the Bible as the Bible. But it is the Holy Bible. And it is referred right through as the Holy Scriptures. Paul says of Timothy that he had known the Holy Scriptures from a child. 
And we have to remember then that this way is set before us in these pages, not a secular book, not a book that has its origin in the imaginations of man, but that is the inspired, infallible word of God. And for that reason as well, this way is the way of holiness. But in the fifth place, our Lord Jesus, as well as dying for his people, he imparts, imputes to them that believe his righteousness, his holiness. Christ, says the hymn writer, has holiness enough to sanctify us all. The bride of Christ in Song of Solomon says, I am black but comely. And it is the righteousness of Christ, which is as a robe, a holy robe, that fits us to stand faultless before God's throne. And this is part of the key to the encouragement of this chapter because it is not putting it as this is a holy way and only those that have a holiness of themselves can walk in it. No, there is a way for sinners that need Christ's righteousness and Christ's holiness to stand before God. They need what shall give glory to the Lord and shall exalt his name. And that is not their own. And we see that because we have the warnings in Scripture of those like the Pharisee who stood praying, I thank thee that I'm not as this publican like other men. He gave tithes. He spoke of all his good works. But that man went down not to his house justified as the other did. We read of those as well that think that they are holy and say, stand by thyself, we are holier than thou. And they have in their own mind that they are holy. But those that are truly taught will know and exalt the Lord as their saviour and that they are sinners. And they feel their sin, they feel their fallen nature, and they know they need a holiness better than that and righteousness better than that to stand before God. This holy word declares that man's righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There's no sound spot in us. There is no man that doeth good and sinneth not. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that is to be an abiding sense. It's not to just say, well, we, we were once like that, but now we are pure, holy, cleansed, godly people that never think one thought amiss, never speak one wrong word, but all their thoughts and affections, they are all holy. No, that is not. We do not believe the word of God sets before us perfection in the flesh. David, a man after God's own heart, 
when he had sinned in adultery and in, in murder, then he must come and he must confess what he actually is, as in Psalm 51, and he desires that he might be purged with hyssop and be washed and be whiter than snow. He begs, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I was shaven in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. The idea that God's children do not fall, cannot fall, they do not need fresh cleansing, washing, renewing, is not found in the word of God. No, it's a solemn thing. There are those that really have not a daily sense of their need of the precious blood of Christ to wash and cleanse afresh and the robe of righteousness to clothe them and somehow think that, well, they are beyond all that, they're pastoral from all that. No, it'll be an ongoing sense of the need of Christ's holiness, of Christ's redemption. But it is the Lord that does impute and impart his holiness to believers. But that is not all. In the sixth place, believers are sanctified. They are called to walk holy and upright lives, not to earn their way to heaven, but to glorify God, because that is the way that is set before them. If we turn to Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 5, we read there in the first eight verses, Be ye therefore followers of God. Remember, we said God is a holy God. Our Lord is holy, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient. How often we see that, isn't that solemn thing? How often in churches today a minister will start his sermon with jesting and foolish talking, with making jokes. And yet this is one of the things that's so specifically mentioned here. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. 
Be ye not therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so the people of God are sanctified. The Lord deals with them and uh, teaches them. He brings them uh, so that they do walk in his ways. And he does bring them in that way so that they're not sinning that grace might abound. But desiring is constrained by love and guided by the word of God to walk in that way of holiness. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so this is another reason why this way is the way of holiness. It is the direct opposite to the way of this world, is direct opposite to our own fallen nature, and it is the way that is set before us in the Holy Scriptures. And the seventh, the last way I say, is why it is called the way of holiness, is that it does lead to that new Jerusalem above. We mentioned briefly on that as to where it comes from and where it goes to. But what is specifically said in Revelation 21 and verse 27 is there shall in no wise enter into it, that is the new Jerusalem, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. A prepared people for a prepared place. And this is why it is set forth here as the way of holiness. But we want to then look at those that shall walk there. We have a description of them in this text. Let us read the text again. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And so we have not only a description of those that shall walk there, but those that shall not. And it is the unclean or unholy ones or those that are holy in their own eyes. And instead of the nature of a lion, God's people, those that walk there, are the nature of a lamb. And for their meekness, for their teachableness, for their following of the Lord, so different 
They're made new creatures in Christ. They are different. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed, and that ye love one another. We know that we have passed from death unto life, or that we are in this highway, because we love the brethren. But then we have three things that are set before us in verse 8 that describe them. They are wayfaring men. In other words, travellers. The Lord says, this is not your rest, it is polluted. One of the marks of those with faith is that they embrace the promises afar off, that they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They're like the typical Israel of old that were going from Egypt to the promised land. Their dwelling place was not to be forever in the wilderness. They were passing through. And so it is the description here is wayfaring men. And it is a mark, let not this world our rest appear. What would we think of one that was urgently going on a journey and they got part of the way and they came across a signpost that had the name of their destination on it. Yes, it might have another hundred miles to go, but they sat by the signpost and they said, well, we're in the right way, we're going. But there is no haste to walk through. It is a vital thing for the people of God that they feel and that they know that this is not their rest. The Thessalonians, they were not only called to walk with the disciples, but they were to look for his son, to wait for his son from heaven. The expectation of a heavenly country. Moses, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. God's people are to be a travelling people, a people that testify like Moses that we are going to the place that God hath appointed for us. The second thing that is noted here is that they are fools. Though fools. Now it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians and he speaks of himself in the first epistle in chapter 4 and he says of the apostles that they were, as it were, set forth last, as it were, appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ, we are weak, but ye are strong, ye are honourable, but we are despised. And from the world's point of view, often it is that God's people are despised and looked upon as fools, foolish. Why don't they enjoy the world? When I was first called and there were those that I worked with that said, well, why don't you go out and have a good time? Go out on the town. Life's short, you know. And I took the 
opportunity to tell him uh, about the truth, how short it was and what was beyond us in eternity. But that is the world's idea. Make the most of it. Have a bucket list and to take the fill of this world and the things of it. And those that don't are counted to be fools. What? You, you, you're seeking for what you don't see? You're seeking for what you just heard of by report in this book, this holy book? So for the world, it is foolishness. And the preaching is esteemed foolishness. But it hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God blesses the word preached. Blesses the word set before us. And yet in the eyes of the world, fools, and we may feel so ourselves, feel we have no wisdom, no strength, no help of our own, but utterly dependent on another to guide us and another to be our help. And this is why we have as well a third description that though they are fools, or though fools shall not err therein. You might say, if these were really wise people, then, well, we could understand them not making a mistake, but fools, you and I might feel a fool in the things of God. But here it says, shall not err therein. How is it? How is it not so? Well, if you turn back even just a few pages to Isaiah 30, and we have in verse uh, 20, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying. This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. They have a guide, a director. And then in Hebrews 12, we have the mark of a child that the Lord corrects and chastens. You know, a person might have a, a very foolish child, but we are told in the scriptures that the rod of correction shall drive that foolishness from him. And the Lord chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. And it is a great blessing to read such a description here. And I believe, dear friends, if we are able, if we pour out our hearts before the Lord, beg of direction, guidance for him, he will not let us to make a mistake, to go in a wrong way. If our ears open to the word of God, that we're not listening to Satan, to our old nature, to blind leaders of the blind, we shall not err. We shall be found and kept by God in that way, that wilderness way, that highway, the way of holiness. And so the description here is of a people that are kept by the power of God. And we're told by Peter that it is through faith unto salvation. Well, we have the other descriptions here 
of a people that are ransomed, a people that are redeemed, bought with a price, a people that are not their own, a people that are the Lord's. And there'll be that double bond, won't there? A love of the Lord. Unto you which believe, he is precious. May it be that the Lord will bless and encourage his people this evening that in themselves nothing but sin and disgrace but found in this way found in a way that we would do good but we find that when we would do good then evil is present with us but then it brings us to repentance, brings us to confess our sins again and again and to seek for grace and seek for help and seek in the word of God for those things that shall rehearse to us again and again the nature of the way that we are going in, the nature of this highway, what it is called, the way of holiness. You know, we need it constantly because left to ourselves, we would just return to all our unholiness, to the world and the things of it. Many backsliding times we have. Many times we would humble ourselves before the Lord. But may we ever desire that it is us that are brought to repentance and us that are changed and brought back into this way, and not that the way is changed to be an unholy, an ungodly, a worldly way, but may the way ever remain the same, that we be formed by the Lord and shown to be the true users of this way that shall be brought to heaven at last and highways shall be there right through the desert and away and it shall be called the way of holiness may the Lord be pleased to grant us to clearly see that we are in this way and that the Lord will use his word to sanctify us cleanse us and to make us more and more bear the image of him who is the way. Amen.